Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. How are we doing? We're kind of in a new venue today. Time for big changes, Venue Church. Uh, we're back in, uh, in the auditorium and Bird Church Theater next week. We are at the town and country, which I love with its 70s appeal. Um, it's great here. We love uh, the city. We love being able to work with the, the buildings that the city uh, has built for this purpose. Uh, but next week is this little Sunday called Easter. I hope you're volunteering for that. I hope you're ready to go. I hope you've invited 47 of your friends to come if you love them. I mean, if you say that, you say that you love them. So I hope that you do love them. Uh, we also have a provincial election happening on Tuesday. So I want you to vote for <laughs> the following party. There's been this separation of church and state for a long time. I get why it happened because of the corruption at the time. It was more of an economic thing than it was a spiritual thing. I think when you remove God from politics, we all got a bit of a problem. Um, then we're kind of deciding our morality as we go along from day to day, which doesn't work for your 13-year-old. And I think if it doesn't work for your 13-year-old, then it doesn't work for anybody. God and politics. I'm, I'm going to tell you who I'm going to vote for. No, I'm not. Here's what I want you to do. Here's a little counsel. Here's a little spiritual counsel because all authority comes from God. So here's what I would say. Vote for the party and vote for the people that are the most honest. Not the most clever, the most honest. If I can trust your word and you're going to do what you say, then you can teach my kids in school and I'm good. I'm voting for the people that, and whoever that is for you, I'm voting for the people that I'm praying that fear God the most. If somebody fears God the most, they can be entrusted with leadership because then they'll do what's right for the people, whether the people like it or not. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes we just need leaders to be like, hey, this is going to be good for y'all. You don't understand it, but we just need to do this thing for the good of the country. All right, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. We've been in a series called Live, Die, Repeat. You, you have to start understanding that God doesn't think about uh, life and death the way that you do. Live, die, repeat. It's a cycle. And every stage of your life is like a live, die, repeat. Every, every relationship, there's this live, die, repeat thing. I'm on a short leash today. I'm feeling a little hampered. I'm going to live, die, repeat. What we want is we want live, and live and live some more. I've called this sermon the unmaking. It's a week before Easter. It's Palm Sunday when, when Jesus uh, walks into Jerusalem and everybody hails him as king. And, and a week late, you know, less than a week later, all the same people who sang his praises crucified him. All the same people who, just because you go to church and sing praises doesn't mean that you don't go out in the week and, and crucify Oh, this is, this is heavy. There's this thing that we want, and it's called resurrection. See, if it was just live, 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 then the dream that God gave you, and I really hope that you have a dream that God gave you, not that you gave you, not that you can manage, not that, because everybody's like, hey, I want to have $25 million by the time I'm 25, and then I can buy a boat. I tell you what, the day you die... You're going to die on a hospital bed that's just going to be worth more than the hospital bed of the poor person dying beside you. That's it. 
I hope that your life has a dream big enough that it would take God to accomplish that includes other people and that it would take more than just you to do it. Don't waste your life on a, on a tiny dream. Let it be a God-given dream that's so big and so meaningful. You'll never find your purpose in life until you help a bunch of other people find their purpose in life. It was supposed to be a together thing, a thing that matters outside of your, your life. I, I want you to come to my graveside. I've thought about this. I want you to come to my graveside. I want you to cry a little bit. I want some of you to be laughing and then some of you to be crying and... You know, you're going to come to my graveside and be like, I like the car that he drove. He let me, he let me ride in it one time. Who cares? And I, mean, I want somebody who's, who, who, I want some of the people in this room at my graveside. Just write that day on your calendar. I want to be, I want my life to matter. I want people in, at, at your funeral to get up and just be weeping because like my family was far from God and now they're not. I was addicted. I was lost, man. We were, our marriage was over. And, and, but for the grace of God, this resurrection happened. But before that resurrection can happen, there has to be something that's called the unmaking. See, current you, if your dream is big enough, current you is not enough for tomorrow. Current, current you is a bit of a problem. You, you want that relationship, girls. You want, you want to meet the man of your dreams, but the trouble is, current you isn't in shape to meet the man of your dreams tomorrow. You want that promotion, but the trouble is, current you in its current character is going to blow the promotion up. And, and you want the expansion, you want to increase your company, you, you want to become that person, you want that. But see, current you needs to go through a process that we're going to talk about today needs to go through a process of unmaking because current you is not enough for tomorrow's challenges for tomorrow's heartache for tomorrow's dream uh, for tomorrow's work uh, current you you want that thing tomorrow you're like god give me that career god's like if i gave it to current you you know, I got to do a work in you before I can work through you. I got to do a work in you before I can turn the circumstance and the situation to give you that thing that, that it is that you're... If you, meet, if, if you met her today, you might not be ready. Maybe that's why you haven't met her because current you would blow the thing up tomorrow. Current you. There's an unmaking that needs to... With the bigger the dream that God has given you, the, the greater the life and death cycle of it. There's this thing called the death of a dream. There comes a time when the dream has to die because if the dream doesn't die, then you'll hold on to it too tightly. Then the dream will become more important than the God who gave you the dream. Then the, the dream of what marriage could look like will become more important than the person that you actually marry. Is this thing in your head of what it was supposed to look? Well, I'm preaching now. Is this thing, the dream of having kids. Just give me a minute. The dream becomes more important than the God who gave you the dream and becomes more important than the whole purpose of the dream in the first place. Current you doesn't have the perspective to get to tomorrow's dream. Current you. Current you doesn't, doesn't know what it needs to know for tomorrow's challenges. Current you. See, we're all kind of a, a stick of butter. I've been thinking about this. We're all some sort of like raw form of ingredient, I think. And in Canada, we're like, we're all individuals and I am who I am. And I was, always was and always will be. 
If you grew up in church, you know that that's what God calls himself. And in Canada, we're like, the individual is everything. You are all things to all people. And God's like, no, you're uh, more of an ingredient in, in a recipe. But, but God, uh, the Holy Spirit, see, in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit's kind of mom. So there's God the Father, and then God the Son, and then there's mom, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. But mom can be tough at times. The Holy Spirit, he needs to make your life uh, into something that, are you ready, is edible for people tomorrow. My kids don't come home from school and are like, Mom, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get a, a handful of flour. Eat a handful of flour. We're also proud of ourselves because we're, we're flour. We're like, I'm amazing. I, I'm this beautiful, pure flower. But see, flower in and of itself is not edible unless you're a crazy person. You're not going to be edible. Like you could meet that person, but your life is not in a place where other people could partake. And it would actually nourish the hearts and minds of the people that God wants to put you around yet. Current you is still an individual ingredient. Current you is a stick of butter. You might be the best stick of butter in the fridge, but you're a stick of butter. Nobody's going to roll you in sugar and eat you. That's gross. That's Homer Simpson gross. See, what happens is the Holy Spirit, he gets the recipe book out and, and he starts flipping through it on the kitchen island. And he's like, okay, I need uh, three cups of flour. And that might, that might be somebody in your home. And then he's like, and I need a stick of stupid, I mean butter, and a little bit of butter. And, and so he grabs you out of the fridge and you're like, yes, I gotta be something. And he's like, yeah, you do. Eventually. Sure you do. Um, and then he throws you in, into this, uh, this bowl and then he turns on the mixer. He throws you into your, your work career with your team of people and mixes you up. He, he messes you all up, the Holy Spirit, or she, or I don't know. I'm just, I'm used to just, I don't know. The, the, the mom of the Trinity, it mixes you all up. And you, you get in there. First of all, you're like, you, you get a new job or you get a, a family or you get a new group of friends and you're all kind of looking at each other and you're like, okay, but we're all individuals, right? And then the Holy Spirit hits the, the let's mix you all up button. You all mix together. There's this unmaking process. And about the time you get used to, you know, about a year into your job, you get used to this mix up process. And then, um, and then the Holy Spirit walks over to the oven door that's been nicely heating up to 425. And he, and he drops the oven door down in the Holy Spirit. And you're like, whoa, I did not sign up to this. I am working in this career so that I can find myself. Have you ever noticed your boss doesn't care about that? I'm, no boss I ever had was like, Corey, have you found yourself working here? That's amazing. No, let's make some money so that your kids can go to school. You can find yourself at home on your own time. I don't have time to find myself. Millennials, this is a bit of a shock. You know, uh, the, what the Holy Spirit does is use that oven hot. And then you get crammed into a muffin tin, but like, God, I want it to be a loaf of bread. And God, like, you're not a loaf of bread. I need muffins. You look like a muffin. I think you're going to be a muffin today. You see, the Holy Spirit decides where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to look like and how you're supposed to feed and who you're supposed to. And we're just like, no, man, I'm a lone chocolate chip. Well, you can't live on a lone chocolate chip. The stick is stupid. We, 
Then we get crammed into the into the muffin tin, and then the Holy Spirit drops the muffin tin in the, and then we're like, oh, the meaning of life. And what happens is there's this unmaking. There's this unmaking that happens when you start melting together and, and bits of you, you feel like you're losing yourself because you've been told in society that the individual is everything. But the individual is no good to society unless there's been an unmaking that happens where you actually learn how to work with your people and your family and your friends and you learn how to give and take and compromise and lay down your pride and lay down your ego. It's not about you. It's about a kid comes home, Neela needs a muffin. You can all melt it up together. I mean, a current you is not ready for, for tomorrow's uh, uh, baby. It's a bit of a shock when you get married to somebody because you always told yourself that you were the most selfless person there was. And then you get married and uh, the other person has also been telling themselves that. And then you have a baby. You're starting to drown and then you're like, I'll fix it. We'll have a baby. It'll bring us closer together. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I mean, I got experiences. I got experience. I didn't have the baby, but I, I, I was so tired one time because I was doing the, I was trying to be all sensitive. And so I was getting up with Erin to try to help her feed the baby. <laughs> I'll explain it later, I guess. And uh, I was real tired and I was doing this. I was up in the middle of the night off. And then I, then I, because I was working the electrical field, I was working inside of uh, electrical panels. And I noticed there was something cold up against my forehead. And I realized that that my head was pressed up against the bus bars that 95% that of the time were hot in a panel that has no breakers that turn it off. And, I, and I, then I went home and I decided, you know, I need to sleep at night. <laughs> you know, I'm at mat leave and you can probably have a nap during the day, but I can't. And so there's this unmaking process. There's this, I mean, there's this unmaking. I mean, girls, when, when, you, when you're pregnant, man, <laughs> Am I allowed? To? I don't know if I'm allowed to. Aaron was watching, I think, a commercial or a cartoon one time, and I look over and she's crying, like full on crying. I'm like, it's like I'm just, I think I'm, I think I'm pregnant. I'm like, you're pregnant, you're definitely pregnant. We we had like four four kids, so that's ten years of don't touch me, and this is your fault. Fair enough. I remember one time, Erin was so upset and frustrated. She's like, I can't do this anymore, moms. Maybe more than one time. And I, you know, guys, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say, stick a stupid, just sh shut up. Just put your arm around her. That's what I should have done. I, 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 in my common sense way, because I'm a fixer. You're talking, you don't, I, I could comfort you or I could fix it. So I'm like, well, it's too late to send him back. <laughs> and then she embraced me in love and... Now, see, uh, dreams can't come to pass until the dreamer is unmade. So dreams can't come to pass until the dreamer is unmade. The dream that God gives you should be so big that, but it can't come to pass until you are unmade and become something else. Because current you is not enough for that dream tomorrow. 
Current you doesn't work, play well in the sandbox. Current you thinks it's, it's really good at some things and it doesn't understand that it's really not and you need people to back up your blind spots. You need people who are good at those things. You think that you're discerning, but every, everybody around you is like, they invested in what now? And you want to control the finances in your corporate? Are, are, you, are you feeling it? Yeah, yeah, this, the, the dreamer has to be unmade. In, in John 11... I'm, I'm going to preach about the, the unmaking that happens before our resurrection. The, the unmaking in, in a woman's heart named Mary, whose brother's name was Lazarus. This unmaking that must take place inside of you so that when God resurrects you, it's actually God who owns you now and not just you. It's God who owns the dream now and God who owns the result now and God who owns the, the honor and God who owns everything now. Because right now, if your dream would come to pass without the, the crucible, it would be all about you. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in, in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And this is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. That's normal. <laughs> my kids do that to me all the time. I come home from work and I'm like, not today, guys. I don't want you to wipe my hair with them. And it says her brother Lazarus was uh, sick. I don't like my feet being touched. That's kind of gross. It says her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters, they did what you would do. They sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, if Jesus is out healing everybody, then he's going to come and heal Lazarus. It's your friend, God. See, the closer you are to God sometimes, the more you're like, but you're doing this. So surely, surely you'll come when I, when I summon you. <laughs> and when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' uh, sickness... I was looking at that, and then it left, and then I'm going to look back at this here. I got lost. And he said, uh, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. And, and I think that's God's word for somebody here. He, he didn't say it's not, it's not going to have death. Come on. He didn't say um, somebody went into ministry, and they were complaining, and God says to them, I didn't say you were going to survive this. I didn't say it wasn't going to be a death. It's not, it's not going to end in it. See, this is what, let me just take a, a time out here. Let me explain something. See, life is not a gradual slope to the right where everything, you know, you, you, you're just walking up a hill. It's not too hard. You're starting to sweat a little bit, but this is a gradual slope to the right. Life is more like a set of stairs where everything will be okay for about a month. Everything will be okay for 12 to 14 minutes until the oven door opens. <laughs> Everything will be okay for, for a month or a year or 10 years. Everything will be okay, and then all of a sudden you run into a wall. And God's like, okay, to prepare you for tomorrow, you have to know how short you're going you're gonna to fall today. You have to realize how far you are from, oh, it's this. See, a lot of people, what we do is we run into this wall where your character is not enough to do what you want to do tomorrow. It's not. You're not ready. You got to dump that addiction. You got to get some help. You got to get in community. And you come in, you run into this thing. And what happens to a lot of us is we just turn around and go back and try to stay on that stair. And then we try to make our whole life like what it used to be. Like you remember when? Yeah, well, no, you can't send the kids back. You can't. You can't. And you run into this thing and the bar gets raised in the economy of God. And then all of a sudden he expects way more. Because the challenges are way more. And if your character here isn't enough, your character up here will definitely not be enough. And when people are depending on you, you can't go down. And so what happens is you, you run into this wall where you have to move forward in the spirit through the pain 
or you'll try to get around the pain and, and stay in the flesh. But if you stay in the flesh, you'll always be in the flesh. The rest of your life, I see a lot of Christians, the rest of their lives is being lived in this flesh, faithless, sinful condition where you're okay with it, but the Holy Spirit's not a Holy Spirit who's okay with it. You made a deal, but the Holy, you didn't make it with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's holy. He didn't make deals with sin. He says, confess your sins and repent of it and get some help and let's get on. Let's move on. But, but it's not this like, hey, he okay with a little bit. No, it's not. And so this, and, and what happens is uh, Mary and Martha, they run into a wall and Lazarus, he's not even in this story till the end. Jesus said, it will not end in death. It, it's a death now though. Oh yeah, there's gonna be a death today. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. You catch that? If I, if I come and heal him of his sickness, maybe he could take some credit of this. If I come and do this thing, there's something that's going to remain unfinished in, in you. And watch what, what happens here. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. This is when you're like, God, I, I, can't, I got five minutes of this left in me and I can't do it anymore. And, and uh, Jesus stays where he is for two more days. You go through all of this emotion and disappointment in, in God and this emotion. And I thought that, you remember last week's sermon, I, you know, we make this deal, man. Like, okay, God, I'll, I'll go through this death, but I'll be significant, right? When I come out of it. And he's like, after two days, you're not, you're not going to be worried about that anymore. Yeah, girl's like, yeah, but I'll be in control of it. He's like, after two days, you're not going to be in control of it anymore. He, he loves you enough to leave you there. But just because God said not now doesn't mean God says no. God's not now doesn't, doesn't mean no. He said, our, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples uh, said, Lord, if he is sleeping... This is what you would say, so don't judge them. Yeah. Or if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. God says, marry her, and you add to that, and she will make you happy. And God's like, no, just marry her. She's broken like you are. Right? God says, go work over here, and we're like, so that I can make this amount of money, and God's like, Money. Now, there's just somebody there that needs an opportunity to go to church and, and you're all they've got. So just go work over there. It's an eternal thing here. And don't add subtitles. to. He's like, go to church at a venue. Make venue your home church. Can I hear an amen? Get involved. I mean, come on, Christians. You've been sitting on your rear ends for long enough. You come to church, you leave, and nothing else happens. And Jesus is like, come follow me. No, I'm still, uh, during the week, I go places and do stuff. You know, you come and get involved in a small group. Why don't you come and give your resources and your praise to God and actually get involved in the family, man? Do the dishes. Pay for the roast beef. You say, God says, go to venue. Make venue, you know, make Pastor Corey your pastor. And he'll never hurt your feelings. You're in the wrong place, everybody. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Listen, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. So you haven't really, listen, the crucible. This is what 
the week before a, a resurrection is for, the crucible, you haven't really believed yet in the kind of belief that you could because you're missing something that can only be found in a death cycle. You're, what he's saying to his disciples, listen, are, are you ready? Your own dark night of the soul is coming when they're going to lead me away to crucify me and I need you to have a template for how to deal with it. And there's a girl whose name is Mary right now and she's hurting. And I need you to watch what happens because when I get led away, y'all are going to blow it and y'all are going to mess it up and you need a template for how to come back. Meaning your belief can't mature until you experience the death. You can't rise until you experience the death. And then uh, Eeyore, uh, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. There's always a melodramatic person at work or on your team. Can I hear an amen? No, pastor, I can't volunteer at church. I can't, I can't make it to church by 10 o'clock if I'm on for hosting ahead of time. It's too early. <sighs> Let me call the ambulance. We had some people who were up loading a trailer at 7.30 this morning, and they'd do it at 4.30 if they had to because they love you, and they love Jesus. So I don't know what the big deal. You can sleep in the next life. I'm going to sleep then. <laughs> I thought that was funny. We try to make the, the kids' spaces for kids, and we try to make the auditorium for the auditorium, and then you got the melodramatic church people who kind of like, like, am I going to hurt, hurt your feelings? All the kids in the auditorium, but that doesn't really work sometimes. And, and then I hear like, but pastor, my two-year-old loves your preaching. They are so intelligent. You don't even know how smart my kids are. <laughs> yeah, sweetheart, we all thought that until we had more. My kid is exceptional. Your kid can exceptionally connect with Jesus better in the venue kids area, I think. Because somebody sitting beside you doesn't need your kid hollering in their ear when they're trying to find Christ. we got 10 minutes sometimes. Oh, let, just let me just, I, I told you about the hurt feelings thing. And I warned you, I was setting you up. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Four days. What kind of mental and, and psychological state would you be in right now? Bethany was only a few miles down the road. Many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. I'm honest. Like Martha, her name means lady. Martha's like, she was the one doing the dishes when Mary's listening to Jesus. She's like, Mary, not helping me. She, I got to do the dishes. I got to do all this stuff. And Martha, she, her name means lady. So Martha's going to do what's right. In the, in the sight of people. Do what's expected. We don't have people who do what's expected. Do we got any Marys who are just like, I ain't coming out. I'm mad. Mary stayed in the house. Yeah, where were you when I called for you, Jesus? Where were you in the dark night of my soul when I cried out? I walked out of town one day and for the first time in my life, I'm like, I don't feel like talking to you right now, God. Mary's like, you're doing all this for everybody else, but you didn't come when I called. You didn't give me what I wanted. And you promised, and I, and where were you? And now, now I'm supposed to come and meet you? Now everything's okay? 
Some of you have not met the real Jesus because you haven't tried a real conversation. I mean, how you feel on the inside. Jesus can't unwind you if you keep it all in there. You're just doing what's proper. You just come to church, but you're not just like, I'm broken and I'm messed up and I'm mad at God because my brother died. And do you think that Jesus himself is not robust enough to help you work through why that happened? To help you work through and realize where he was the whole time. He is, he is God. He is enough. He, he is God of the watch. You watch how far down he goes here. Um, Mary's name means sea of bitterness. You know that? Mara, sea of bitterness. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, they, they have this thing in their heads that you and I get when we're in pain. We're just like, yeah, but God, if only you had, if only, if only, if only, and why me? And if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. But because she's already thinking of it in only one way, this is what she says. Yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. So this is when we do a cheap version of Christianity. We just kind of say what, what's expected of us in Sunday school. Um, but one thing I noticed about Martha, and if you're a Christian and he's been on the surface, she did not let him into the deepest places of her disappointment because she had put it in a box. She was just doing what was expected of her. She was just a broken-hearted housewife facing betrayal, but just doing what's expected of her. But, but she did not uh, open up that, that, the door of that disappointment and let Jesus in there. She just had him out there. A venue church is not a church where you can hold Jesus out here for very long, hopefully, because we'll just like, hi. I hope I have a breath mint, but if not, we're going to talk this close. In verse 28, then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her the teacher is here and wants to see you. And Mary's like, what version of me? Does he want to, because the real me is messed up. The real me doesn't know if I can live tomorrow and get through it. My brother just died, and where were you, and why? And I cried out to God one time, I did everything that you wanted, but I'm still losing everything, God. And you get to these moments in your life, and she's like, and she makes the decision here that, okay, if he wants to see me like this, then I'll go. Just like this. And I'm a mess and I don't care what anybody sees me like right now. And we get on our knees at the altar sometimes and we're just like, here it is. And you just give it. This, this is who I am. This is what's going on. If she says the same thing, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. Listen. In Jesus, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. He was deeply troubled. The common philosophies of the time was that God was this, it's this word apatheia, that God, like the Greek gods, think about that, like unconnected, unconcerned, without passion, out there. You sound like anybody else's society? It's out there somewhere, but not like here, not here, not here, not at home, not in the hard times, not in the broken times, it just up there somewhere. And this groaned, in, it means groaned in his spirit. It can be translated snorted like a horse in anger. Like this is a different Jesus than the one you grew up with in Sunday school. This is a Jesus who's like, 
There is something that, but he can't take this gift away from Mary yet because his disciples still need to see what happens. And he can't take the gift of death away from you because somebody needs to see what can happen. But only after you get through the crucible can, can the resurrection happen. And he's, and he's so upset by this thing because he knows that his own time is coming. But he needs to prepare people for that. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, uh, Lord, come and see. Then, then Jesus wept. Not on a, so When that thing happened to you when you were a child, it happened to him. When something happens to one of my daughters, it happens to me. Young men. <laughs> Future suitors. Y'all are doing it to me now. When that thing happened to me as a child and those nights happened and when that thing happened to you, it happened to him. He weeps when you weep. He, he gets upset by things that hurt his children. He, you couldn't see him, but he was there. He was not up here. He was there. He was beside you. He was the reason that you're here. He, he was, but there was a, a death cycle that he did not cause because death comes to us all. But there's this death cycle that he can use. What's all the death for if it's not to help somebody else stay out of the trap? Well, what's good as death if, if you can't help somebody else get free? You can't just walk away and pretend it never happened. No, you have to live in the pain of it so that somebody else gets what they need from God. And Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Are you coming back next week? A stone rolled across its entrance. All the devil took as many demons as he could get and rolled that stone across the cave and shut Jesus in. And then it says, and then uh, an angel came down. It just says one, as near as I can read it. I love the different accounts in the Gospels, but then it's not, an angel came down, freaked all the guards out, kind of kicked the stone over. It says uh, in my Bible that he sat on it. Mm-hmm. It was never a contest of strength. God versus the devil? Oh, the devil, Pastor. You don't understand what the devil's done. Yeah, I get it. But he's going to get it all back. It was never a contest of strength. There was no, no stone that could keep him. One angel comes down, just like, sits in the stone. Drink a cup of coffee. Wait for the ladies to come. Oh, this, is what, this happens in heaven all the life, death, repeat, live, die, repeat. It's this cycle. It happens in heaven all the time. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. All y'all practical people. You make baby Jesus cry sometimes. This is her own brother. Listen to this. All you practical people. When I'm dreaming a dream and you come and tell me the 47 reasons why it can't happen. She says, uh, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The, and the King James says, he stinketh. <laughs> Thank you, Martha. <laughs> Keeping it real. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Now, why don't you let me show you how this is supposed to play out? So they rolled the stone aside. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Well, this prayer is not for him. He, he already is for you. 
Thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people and all these people here so that you, they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted and the mood all shifts and changes because now it's time. Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Come on up, worship team. This is going to be tricky because y'all are going to see them plugging in and stuff, I guess. I love that Jesus can resurrect, but he, uh, he wants um, your small group to unwrap you. Some of you missed that. He said to the people standing around Lazarus, unwrap him and let him. I'm not going to do the unwrapping. I'm going to let your small group do the unwrapping. I'll do the resurrecting, but I got other people to resurrect. I didn't need your small group to un- unwrap you. Is it good? I like that. Proverbs 13 and verse 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred, uh, the the process down in the, I feel like a slow walk would have been more appropriate (laughs) than the fast run where everybody looked at you and then I was also forced to look at you. Hope deferred. Some team members make the heart sick. Hope deferred. (laughs) I love you, Layden, but I'm going to kill you after. Hope deferred. Listen, hope deferred. I I do love Layden. I will kill him. And then then Jesus will resurrect him into a new Layden that walks appropriately. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That word deferred means, listen, listen, you've been waiting for something for a long time. You've been in the oven for 12 to 14 months. You've been, you've been waiting for 14 years. You've been waiting for a long time. That hope deferred means this. It's, it's when you draw a bow back to shoot an arrow. And it means like you, you, you thought that after a week, you thought that you had it about back this far and you thought that's all you could manage. But now you're, you're a month and now, you're, and now you're, and you've been at it for a long. And the further back, and he's like, Mary, it's not going to happen in 14 minutes. And Mary, it's, it's two days and it's three days and your brother is dead and you're dealing with this disappointment and anger. And hope deferred keeps drawing that bow back and drawing. But when the desire comes, the desire is what you're missing. When the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Don't miss the imagery here. It is a tree of life. When Adam and Eve, you remember this series, when Adam and Eve, they got kicked out of the garden because they partook of the fruit of the, uh, the tree of the fruit of good and evil. They partook of the knowledge of the, they partook of that. And then before they could eat of the tree of life, they got kicked out of the garden because it would be forever separated from God. But when the desire comes in its fullness, uh, the, the death and resurrection of Christ have been prepared for thousands of years now. When the desire comes in its time, when it comes in its time, it becomes that cross gets planted. And then out of that cross becomes the tree of life that that sits in heaven, that tree of life, that when the desire is complete and when the time, and then when we let the arrow go, that's the time when your desire is ripe and, and you, current you is ready for tomorrow's challenges, when current you can be resurrected, when current you is dead enough. And not just a little dead. See, you got to go into the, into, the, into the fire. You got to go into the fire before the fourth man appears in the flames. You got to go in the Chadrach, Meshach, and Abed. You got to be in the furnace because he's not coming. He's coming to the furnace. And whatever furnace you're in right now, I want you to just give that to God. And as we sing this next song, it's Here I stand, high and surrender.
And that's all you can do. I need you now. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.